Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. Girding the loins of our mind with the knowledge of who you are. That you are good. And you are always good. We are not standing here because we are good. We are standing here because you are merciful towards us. We deserve nothing. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the free gift of God, is the gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. You showed mercy to us. And you show grace and mercy to us every day, even today. Help us, Lord, in that knowledge to be seated at your feet for the heart matters and the mind matters. That the peace of God would rule God our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus so that we may hear that it's a good God who is speaking to us. That even when you speak to us, you are good. When you discipline us, you are good. When you chastise us, you are good. When you scourge us, you are good. Nothing, nothing that you, we go through changes who you are. Give us that. Give us that mind. Oh Lord. So that with meekness, we can every time receive the word that you speak through us, to us. So we commit this time and ourselves into thy hands. Speak, Father. We sit at your feet. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So God is good. All the time. All the time is good. Doesn't matter what we are going through. He's always good. And he can always only do good. All his ways are just and perfect. So we've been looking over the weeks, the difference between law and truth. Law basically tells you to do this, to do this, to do this, to do this, to do this. And at the end of the day, you feel miserable, full of guilt and remorse. And you have to depend upon goats and bulls (laughs) to go to God. But truth doesn't tell you to do. It tells you to be. Okay, that's that's, that's what we were looking at. Of becoming and not of doing, of becoming. And we saw becoming sound in doctrine, the doctrine of who God is. Being sober or self-controlled. Being at peace with God and with man. Being hospitable. Not a hospital, but being hospitable. Being good. And last week we began on being just. That's a big, big word. Being just. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 8, we saw be hospitable. 
Okay, lover of what is good. Of course, this is instructions to the elders in the church to become an elder. But if you want to be an elder in God's kingdom one day, it doesn't matter what you become on church, on earth. It's irrelevant. You know, pastors go wrong, leadership goes wrong. You may never be put in a position. It doesn't matter. Ultimate judge is God. On that day of judgment, be my seat of Christ. God should say, you're good to be an elder in my kingdom. For a thousand years now and then forever. Okay, that's what it matters. That's why we are running for something that is eternal, not for something that is temporary. So do not get discouraged by the setbacks in life. Because we are running what the Bible says for a crown that is imperishable. Okay, crown that is imperishable. So it says be hospitable, be a lover of what is good. We looked at that. Sober-minded, we looked at, it's a little different, but we looked at it in terms of self-control. And now we are looking at be just. And we saw last week before being just, first God has to make us just. Make us just. Okay? Otherwise, we will get into the trap of the law. The trap of the law is it's all outward. Okay? That's not what God says. First, he makes us just. We have to be justified, imputed with the righteousness of God, made just. And then he teaches how to be just in all our ways. And we are progressing. Okay? So don't get discouraged if you have any, none of us are just in all our ways. We are not yet there. Okay? But we will be one day. Okay? It's not God willing. He is willing. Okay? Be holy is another big thing. Okay, like if I were to put it across, be just is our relationship with man. And be holy is our relationship with God. Okay, God is not saying be just with us. If we are not, he'll smack the daylights out of us. Okay, he's not. He's saying be just with one another. But with God, be holy. Be holy, God says, because I am holy. Okay, he will, it's not got to do with one another. If we, it would be, we would be terrible people if I were to tell, be holy as I'm holy. No, be holy as God is holy. But we can always say, be just as I am just to you. As you grow in your righteousness, you know, we ask our children, do you think I was unjust? Right. So we say, did I deal with you unrighteously? Two children are there, so no, dad, you are not fair. Wait a second. Okay, was I, was I not just? Okay, so holiness is with God and righteousness primarily, okay, with man. So, coming to today's teaching, post-fall, that is Adam and Eve, literally ate us out of paradise. Okay, ate us out of paradise. (laughs) And human history, after that, will be primarily be shaped by Two events. One, of course, has taken place. That is the first coming of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Entire human history is shaped by two events. One is the first coming of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The first coming was to make unrighteous men just. The second coming is to judge both the just, the righteous and the unrighteous. So remember, both is got to do with justice. Okay, the first and the second coming. From the time of the fall, especially when we come to the book of Exodus, we will see there is this cry and the yearning in the human soul for deliverance from this wicked world. Okay, this is cry. 
and it's first expressed as a community by the children of Israel in their bondage in Egypt. There's a cry for justice. And this is cry for justice rising up everywhere. But please remember, <coughs> whenever there is a cry for justice, it also includes a call for judgment and accountability before God. <coughs> you cannot have one without the other. That's our problem. We want one without the other. Please, I want justice from that person, but please don't judge me. Okay? <coughs> That's why the Bible says, <coughs> the book of Amos warns us that the Day of the Lord may not be the day of light we want. Because the light of God's judgment will shine as brightly upon the saved and the unsaved. Amos 5.18 says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. Okay, so be very, very, very careful. Okay, Lord, Maranatha come, Lord Jesus, only if you are ready. Okay. Don't look at the troubles you are going through and say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. No, when Paul and all who are talking about and he's saying it in Corinthians and he's saying it in Timothy is those who are longing for the appearance of the Lord. And Peter will say those who are appearing for the appearance of the Lord are working their life out in particular ways. So they are able to say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Otherwise, it will be a day of shame. Not a, Not that we are unsaved if you are saved, but it will be a day of shame and fear and loss. Okay, You just come through the fire, you smell of smoke and singed hair. Okay, <laughs> All those who just come through the fire will be bald. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much thick hair you have here. Okay, okay, so... It is, it is, so that's what be very, very, so the whole, whole, so like I said, we are not preparing for death. We are preparing for judgment. Death is inevitable. Okay, so we cannot prepare for death. We prepare for judgment. So there is this day of, day of judgment when justice will ultimately come. Old and the new covenant talks about it. Daniel says it this way in the entire chapter 2, the dream, but verse 44, the explanation. In the days of these kings, Many kings, okay. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Okay. Zechariah fourteen nineteen, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And in that day it shall be. The Lord is one. And his name is what? So there is a day coming. And Revelation puts it beautifully in chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, the seventh one. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever and ever. So day is coming. That is the anticipation of the fallen man from that day. Okay, Every culture, every religion has that day. Okay, Ram Rajya, as our people in India say, a day of righteousness. They have a reference point is the rule of Ram. Rule of Ram. Because he was a righteous man in their myth, in their story. He's a righteous man. So I don't know who is more righteous. I think Bharat was more righteous than him. Okay. Okay, that's why the other name of India is Bharat. 
Okay, though I don't know whether it is from that Bharat or somebody else. Okay, because there are so many Bharats, like so many, like similar names in the like we I was two nights back. Uh, we were Hepsi was asking me about the prophet who died between the porch and the altar. Okay, now which Zakaria is that? Is the problem? Is it the Zakaria who wrote the book of Zakaria? Is he the same Zakaria who was the Zakaria who was killed by that king? But the fathers are different. But he also was killed by the people. Okay, so suddenly there is a confusion. The book of Zakaria doesn't tell you anything about Zakaria being killed. But there is another Zakaria. So there are so many names in India. Also many Bharats are there. Which Bharat we are talking about? We do not know. Okay, but we know about whose kingdom of righteousness will come. It is Jesus. Okay, Jesus. It is his kingdom that will come and it will be the kingdom forever and ever and ever. Okay, Psalm 45 verse 6 and 7. The psalmist says this way, your throne of God is forever and ever. Okay, a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Understand the kingdom, the scepter, okay? The defining factor of his kingdom is righteousness. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Okay, this is what the writer of Hebrews will say in Hebrews 1 8. Okay. So this is the scepter of his kingdom. So keep that in your mind. So when we are preparing for the day of judgment, it is a day of righteousness. It is a day that will never end. It will be righteousness forever and ever and ever. So we see in the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 11, Advent 1 and 2 collapsing into 1. There shall come forth a roar from the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. And from there it begins. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes. Nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor. Decide with equity. Big. Big word, equity. Because that's what all the children will say. Not fair. With fairness, simple meaning, fairness. If you don't have equity, the result of is iniquity. Okay? You can either have equity or iniquity. We can choose with equity. For the meek of the earth, he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. So these four words are putting both advents together. The first and the second coming is collapsed into one. Okay, So you see Christ who came to make wicked and righteous men righteous. And then when he comes in the second time, the scepter of his kingdom is a scepter of righteousness and judgment will flow. Okay, So there is a day of justice and righteousness. So even when man from the beginning, the first man who cries out for justice is able. His blood is crying out for justice. Because vengeance, if there is no judgment, there is no vengeance. Okay, So the blood, Abel is the first one who is crying out for justice. So even when man cries out for justice, by the nature of the fall, 
we were all sinful. We are all sinful. Okay, okay. We are all sinful. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. He made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead. Okay, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. In which you once walked. Okay, if we, if we are not redeemed, we will say we are walking in it. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And verse 3, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and by, by, by nature, what we were by nature, children of wrath, just as the others. Who were we? From the first man who fell on, we were children of wrath. We are all children of wrath. And because we are children of wrath, you know why? Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Okay, Against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Okay, Suppress the truth in righteousness. So even when the sinful man is crying out for justice, there is no truth in him. There is no righteousness in him. But still there is a knowledge. Because the problem is, <clears throat> when we ate of the fruit of good and evil, there is a knowledge of good. You cannot escape it. That's why you see no animal crying out for justice. They don't ask for justice. For there is no truth in them. There is knowledge of good and evil in them. But we have two reasons. One, we were created in the nature of God, image of and likeness of God. Two. Second, we aid from the knowledge of good and evil. So there is our conscience, which is always convicting, condemning, justifying. This this whole the the the, the supercomputer over here, man can never equal it. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Impossible. <coughs> so please understand, even when we are crying out for justice, we before we were redeemed, were people who suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. Suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. So when the first nation, which is a nation of slaves, in the Bible we are talking about, who cried out for justice, the law was given to them. Not to make them righteous, but to actually show them the righteous standard of God. Okay, Because the law cannot make anybody Righteous. The only purpose of the law is to lead us to God through Christ and cry out for mercy. That is why chapter 20 of Exodus gives the Ten Commandments, the core of the law, the Ten Commandments, and ends up with an altar. Right? Otherwise, if the law could make you righteous, why should there be an altar? Because you can never keep it. The purpose of the law was to make us go to God to receive mercy. Nobody can keep the law. Nobody can keep the standard of God. Okay, Nobody can keep the standard of God. So by birth, we've seen it over and over. Psalm 51, where we are shaped in iniquity, born in sin, conceived everything in sin. So that the nature of sin is that. By nature, we are not just people, we are unjust people. By nature, old nature, we are not righteous, we are unrighteous. And if it is unchecked, like we see in Genesis 6, 10 generations later, if it is unchecked, okay, unchecked, what happens here? Genesis 
till uh, Genesis uh, uh, 8. We don't even have law. Okay, it's after Noah, the law is starting. And law is codified for nations through Moses. See, all syllables of Hammurabi will talk about, our culture will talk about. It never had that weight to impact the world because it was man's concept of righteousness without the seal of God. When law was given by God through Moses, it impacted Every civilization and almost every constitution of the free world is framed on that. There were laws before the Ten Commandments were given. Okay. But it did not have the power to change the conscience of man because it was not given by God. It was the knowledge of man about good and evil. Okay. So once the law was given, okay, what happens is if sin is untouched, unchecked, it will start permeating. It's like living. It will permeate until every thought and inclination in our mind becomes evil. It messes up the entire society. We see a picture over there in Ezekiel 22 from top to bottom. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, say to her, that's Israel, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. The, the prophets is compared to the roaring lion. And we know in the Bible who is the roaring lion. It is not God. It is the devil. Tearing the prey. Who is the prey? God's people. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in our midst. So God begins with the spiritual. Okay. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy. Nor have they made known the difference between the clean and the unclean. They have hidden their eyes from my Sabbath, so I am profaned among them. Her princess, so now from there he comes down. Okay. The princess in her midst are wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy the people and to get dishonest gain. Okay. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord, when the Lord has not spoken. So the princes, the prophets, the priests, okay, and when verse 29, the people. The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and the needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the strangers. So it has permeated into the entire society. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. So God is saying, <clears throat> there is not a single person in the land who could I depend upon. All it has permeated the living has reached the top, every top to bottom. Okay. Ultimately, only one man would stand in the gap. Only one man would be found worthy to stand in the gap. That is Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. And God would actually pour out his indignation, his wrath upon him. Okay. And God would begin the work of redemption by making unjust men. Just first. We want all our outside problems to be solved. God said, no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. First, let me deal with the inside man. Okay, That's what we looked at last week. We see that's the first step God does. He says, we are concerned with all the problems outside. God says, that's not the issue. The issue is we are all basically primarily unjust. 
unrighteous and we suppress the truth. And God says, what do, what I do, I need to do. I have to first make you just. That's Romans 5 1, right? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is how it begins. So it begins with, how does it begin? It begins with truth. Okay. We cannot be just in our relationships with other outwardly. It has to begin from within us just. And how does God do it? It does it with truth. James 1, 8 says, we are born. Right? Didn't I give you 1, 8 first? 1, 18, 1, 18. Yeah, yeah, 1, 18. I didn't give it. That's not the order. How did I miss it? Okay. 118. Is 15.3 the next one? Yeah, okay. One. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. So what does God do? So that we do not suppress truth and work in unrighteousness, which leads to injustice and unrighteousness. That's the order. That's the order. Okay. We have to follow the order. The order is truth. Truth leads to Justice. Justice leads to righteousness. Righteousness leads to peace. This is the order. Okay. Now what does God do? God goes with the order. He preaches the truth to us. There are two truths. One is the truth we don't like. That is the truth about us. This is who you are. The other truth is this is who God is. And we are able to reconcile these two truths, accept both, and we plead for mercy and believe in what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, we are born again. That's how it begins. Okay, By the word of truth. The word of truth. That's why the word of God is so important, why we meditate, read, listen to the word of God. Then the process begins. Now we have been justified with God. We have been born again by the word of truth. Part 2 onwards. Next step is 15.3. We are clean. John 15.3. We are cleansed by the word. They have walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They are not aware of it often. They are not aware. Physically, we are aware. You go, we are aware. We come after long days work. We go in, have a good shower. We feel it. We should be able to feel the same way when the word of God cleanses us inside. Okay. You are clean because of the word. So first he births us by the word. That is truth. Second, he cleanses us by the truth. And then John 17, 17, he sanctifies us by the truth. Okay. Sanctify and cleaning are not the same thing. It's the third step. Sanctification is after cleansing. It's being set apart. Like the example I gave to the Nepali church is that you take all the cups and you wash the cups, you have cleansed it. Then you put one cup aside and say, Pastor, this is for communion. Now, it has been set apart for a holy use. Okay, That's what the Bible is talking about. After cleansing, set apart for the use by the master. This is the way it works. So the problem is, is always with truth. The problem is always with truth. And our issue is because if we don't deal with truth, we will never be just. Because the day of judgment is the day of justice. That is the day God will declare who has grown in justice, in righteousness, and who has not. Okay, We all stand on level ground. We have been made just by God. 
after that did we grow in justice or not is the key so the issue is truth you cannot look at justice or righteousness first you have to go back to where it started where did it start it started with truth so go to the issue in isaiah 59 verse 14 and 15 justice is turned back so that's our problem no justice righteousness stands afar off for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter okay so there are three things that is happening there's no justice there's no righteousness there is no fairness unfair life is unfair it's a common thing life is unfair unfair it is not fair there's no righteousness there is no justice there is no equity all why because truth has fallen in the street okay there's a street the mind is a street where traffic takes place okay it's so where traffic where is the street everything comes through the street okay in that street what has happened truth has fallen so truth fails truth fails and when truth fails he who departs from evil make himself a prey the lord saw it and displeased him that there was no justice when truth fails it does not matter if you are righteous does not matter if you are righteous because the wicked system will come after you okay truth as a whole has failed in this world so even if you depart from evil who are the ones who are being persecuted in the world the righteous the righteous the criminals can always get away because you can bribe the system bribe the system but the righteous who refuse to bribe are continuously persecuted that's what the bible is talking about so truth has fallen truth has failed and if the way back is truth has to rise it is not justice and righteousness it is truth truth has to rise and that's where our problem comes okay that's where our problem comes so we were born by truth now declared that we are righteous with the very righteousness of god that's how god does and hebrews 12 and verse 23 is an interesting verse when we come to church zion the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to god the judge of all the spirits of just men made perfect okay so we are on the journey but god sees the end from the beginning so he is saying so don't take it that oh i am already perfect no you are not but you have to be made just first you have to be made first so when you come to church that's where the confusion happens and lot of issues happen okay so whenever you listen to messages from us and all and uh, situate don't compare them with us we are a gentile pagan nation they are where a christian nation christian nation so what happens in their churches is lot of unsaved christians come in so the churches are always evangelistic in nature in our churches no unsaved comes so we cannot be evangelistic in our churches because our churches are basically people who are born again because we all came from pagan culture the unbelieving backgrounds we got saved all of us sitting over here okay it doesn't matter how syrian you are you are unsaved <laughs> okay 
Okay? <laughs> it doesn't matter how Syrian we are. We were unsaid. We were like that Syrian. Abraham saying that Syrian. He saying doesn't say the Hebrew will inherit. He said that Syrian will Hebrew. Okay? Okay. So, so it doesn't matter. So, so when we are coming in, we are coming into the church unsaved. Okay, saved. So please understand that. So always keep that in mind. Many of the issues that happen in the church is that we pick up models that doesn't apply to us. We pick up models. The American model doesn't apply to the Indian church because we are a pagan nation. It doesn't apply to almost all of Asia and most of Africa. It does not. That model applies only to the American and the European churches, though they may not be born again, they have a Christian culture and a conscience. They are brought up that way. They have Christian culture and a conscience. Okay, so understand. So when we are coming in, we have come in as just men. Just men. We have been justified by God. We have peace with God. And now we are on the road to being made perfect. Our spirits have to be made perfect. Our soul have to be saved to the uttermost, okay? And God says about us, these are all prophetic words, okay? One day it will be literally, and now it is spiritually. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, okay? Not Europe, Asia. (laughs) Grace to you and peace from him who is and was and is to come from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What is he telling us? What has He has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. He has made us. What are we? We are kings and priests. Okay? Positionally, one day, absolutely functionally. This is where we are on the way. Remember. Otherwise, we'll forget what we are doing in church. Okay? So what is this? What do kings, what do kings do? They rule. That's what they do. And that's what Romans 5 says, 5, 17 and 21. Yeah. If by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who reigned an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. What are we called to do? Live like a king. Live like a king. Okay. Live like a king. What do kings do? Extend mercy, show grace, and rule in righteousness. That's what kings do. And God says, you know what? It doesn't matter what your state in life on earth is. You can reign as a king. Verse 21. No? Verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness. You can live as a king. You can live as a king. In your dealings with others, Show, be fair, be just, and show mercy. Extend grace. Extend grace. Okay. In your, in your life, build your life on truth. Because out of truth comes justice and righteousness and peace. Okay. And that's what the whole Bible is talking about. Does peace reign in our hearts? Colossians 3.15. Rule in our hearts. If peace has to rule in our hearts, it begins with truth. So it doesn't matter who you are on earth. You may be a poor man, believer, or a rich believer. It doesn't matter. He says, I have positionally told you are a king and a priest. The job of the priest is out of his mouth shall come the knowledge of God. 
And the job of the king is to rule in justice, in righteousness, for the scepter of his kingdom is righteousness. So understand the picture of what God is talking about, why it is so important to be just. Not do, but first be just, be just. Okay. So every day we come to God because we realize we were not just. So we ask for mercy. Ask for mercy. Because justice, we need to be just as God is just. We are not the standard. The best man on earth is not the standard. The standard is always God. And if you go before God honestly, the first thing in the morning, the last thing in the night, if you go before God, you will realize you are not really just. You were unjust. And what do we need? We need mercy. We are coming to the judgment seat of God every day before we end up there one day. Because we have, if we go constantly every day, that day won't be a surprise or a fear or a terror because we are constantly gone. What do you receive at the judgment seat? Either we receive mercy or grace and we are receiving it every day. Mercy and grace, mercy and grace, mercy and grace. Mercy because we were unjust and we receive grace to be just, more just, more just. So please remember, for all of it, we need truth. We need truth. Allah see the word of God has truth. That is why this big block with the word of God. We need to understand why there is this block with the word of God, reading the word of God, listening to the word of God, meditating upon the word of God. There is a block. We have to accept the block and we have to fight it. Fight it. Why is it? Why is it? No, Even believers. <laughs> Believers, senior, older believers will nicely come to church and fall asleep and wake up as soon as service is over. Even in our church. Even in our church. They fall asleep during the work. But after that you will see they are wide awake. So you need to realize there is a block. There is a block, a serious block. They get distracted, they get disoriented. We all do. It's a battle. It's a battle. Two things, word and prayer. These are the two our major battles. And we will never see people fall asleep at other places. Other places. That is why through the Bible, the, the call is, awake you sleeper, awake. That doesn't make <laughs> It is very strange that the exhortation from the word of God in the church is, awake, awake, awake. <laughs> Because he knows the enemy will bring the spirit of slumber. Because he does not want us to hear the word of God. Because the word of God is truth. And truth will confront us. It will not, it will not condemn us. Please remember this. If you are a child of God, God will never condemn you. Never condemn you. He will convict you. He will discipline you. He will chastise you. If he needs, he will break a few welts also on your back. He will scourge you. He will scourge you. He will not break your bones. Always say that. Primarily, in faith, physically and otherwise, not a single bone in your body was broken. So will I be. My bones will not break in Jesus' name. Believe it. These things you have to believe. I am in him. His bones was not broken, but his skin was. His skin was. Okay, so he will give us nice wells. Okay, okay. Why? Cause he's good, but he will never condemn us. A child is a child. He will never condemn us. He will never condemn us. Okay. 
When the son left the home, he was a son. When he was having a blast with his money, he was a son. When he went to the pig pen, he was a son. When he was on the way back, he was a son. When he reached his father's house, he was a son. Okay, he was. He said, my son was dead. To whom? Not to the father. Not to the father. He was never dead to the father. He was always alive to the father. But to the son, the father was dead. Son, the father was dead. Okay. Otherwise, the father wouldn't be looking for the son to come back. Wouldn't see him from far. He's dead. Why do you have to stand at the window? He's dead. But he runs towards him. So please get that picture very, very clear. There is no condemnation for children. There is, There will be severe conviction. Very, very severe. He will take you through these stages. Okay, Conviction through these stages. This is my personal understanding of a saved person. He will take you through conviction. If he doesn't work on conviction, he will go through discipline, which is called the rod. And if you don't listen to this rod also, at the best possible moment in your life, he will take you home. He will kill you and take you home. Death is a big thing for us, not for God. He will take you home. Before we slip into perdition, he will take you home. Okay, He will take you home. That's our God. Okay. In Malayalam, we have a saying, Swaram nannayirikambol paatanurthanam. Meaning, stop singing when your voice is still good. Okay. So, this this is why I just said, you always have to believe God is good. Always have to believe God is good. Okay. So, there is where it all begins. It begins with truth. Okay. And we daily have to encounter truth. That's why God brings the truth over there and worship together. That's what we are all called to do. We are called to be worshippers. What is worship? Celebrating who God is. Let's put it in simple terms. What is worship? Celebrating who God it is. But we can never celebrate really who God is until we deal with truth every day. Okay. So true worshippers are here, will rise, who will worship God in spirit and in truth. That's why the spirit is called the spirit of truth and is called the spirit of grace. That's what, that's what. And he said the spirit of truth, he shall lead you to all truth. Okay, we are somewhere, I don't know where we are, but we are on the way, on the road called truth. Like I said, everybody likes the way until you hit truth. They want to circumvent and jump for the life, but truth is standing there in the middle. And you have to deal with truth. Okay. So, God calls us kings. And he says, reign in righteousness. You may be a bachelor. Reign in righteousness. You may be married. King or queen. Whichever, whatever you want. Put a crown if you want. Make it paper and put it on. Okay. But what is the old point? Are you just? Are you just? Are you just? Proverbs 29 verse 14. The king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. Meaning, put it spiritually, apply it into eternity. Do you want to rule with forever with Jesus? Or do you want to end up in the kingdom of God as a child under angels when we are supposed to rule angels? How do you want to end? There are two ways you can end in heaven. You are under angels. 
or angels are under you. Okay. He who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. And if you look into our own lives, if you look into our own lives, we'll always see there is somebody, poor, let us put the term weak over there, somebody within the ambit of our authority who is weaker than us. Weaker than us. Abigail has Amy. Abigail has Amy. And if you have a dog in the house, Amy has a dog. (laughs) We have no clue how God looks at how we deal with our pets. Those who have no power to give it back to us. Though they may bite us or scratch us once in a while, they are still under our authority and our power. We can starve it. That's why it is important when you get pets for your children, even if it's a fish. You have to teach them. This is your responsibility. You change the water and feed them regularly. Why? You're teaching them to be just with the weak. Otherwise, take it and put it back in the river. Once you took it out of the river, which was God's domain, and put it into a tank, it become your domain. And God says, be just. Be just. We teach children to be judged. Okay. A righteous man, Proverbs 12.10, righteous man regards the life of his animal. Okay. Okay. That's why it's good for children to have pets. It's good to have children, good for children to have pets. What, what was one of the things which pets do? It is teaching them to be responsible, teaching them what righteousness is, teaching them what truth is. So when they come and say, mommy, you are not fair. Dinner is late today. You ask them, did you feed the, feed, the fish on time? Were you just? Were you just? Did you chase the water? Did you? Okay, so you teach, you teach children, okay, because this is this constant cry, not fair, not fair, not fair, not fair. <laughs> Youngest to the oldest, and God says, I understand, I created in your image, there is a yearning for justice in you, because you are made like me, no cat or dog is saying not fair, not just, they are not bothered, but we are, we are, and God says, teach, teach, teach. Okay, so if our throne has to be established forever, we start dealing with truth. Okay, so when we are dealing with truth and when you are talking about becoming just and being righteous, it is directly connected with the second commandment. What is the second commandment? Love your God? No, love your neighbor as? The focus is on on yourself. I love your neighbor. Yeah, I love my neighbor. God said, I didn't tell you that. I said, love your neighbor as yourself. What is that you want? Justice. What is that you want? Righteousness. Yes, do you love your neighbor that way? If you understand second commandment, a lot of other things which Jesus is talking about starts falling into place. Look at Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 and 2. Judge not that you will not be judged. Why? For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. What is talking about? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do not, whatever measure you use to judge him will be the same measure with which I judge you back. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. 
So let us leave the neighbor alone. Let us come to the closest neighbor if you are married. It's a man, that's a woman, a husband and a wife. God says, what is the measure you use when you judge your wife? And what is the measure you use when you judge your husband? Parents and children, what is the measure you use when you judge the children? And children don't judge your parents. They're very dangerous territory. Leave it alone. Don't even go over there. Don't even go over there. But no, be very, very careful. Because this is the same measure. This is, see, this concept about justice is entirely connected with the commandment number two. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Look at verse 12, 7, 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. The entire law and the prophets hang on two hinges. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, what is justice? God says justice is not what first what the other does to you. Justice is what first what you do to others. But our concept of the fallen man's concept about justice is always what the other man does to you. Not fair. God turns around and says, were you fair? Were you fair? Were you just? The husband will say, wife, not fair, not just. The wife will say, the husband, not fair, not just. God says, wait a second. Were you fair? Who are complaints? Were you fair? Okay, that is this concept. We have to get it very, very, very clearly. So, righteousness then is structured into the entire social order. And it starts with the self, with the family, to outside. Okay, both of us were classroom teachers. Result time, what is the constant refrain from the students? Pastor Vite? Not fair. One more mark you give one. Our answer is the same. Come here. Bring the paper both here. And the reading comes out. And I will show you how the answer is not the same. Okay. Okay. So at every level you see this. Okay, it's but God says it doesn't work like that. It simply doesn't work like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. What is that you want? Justice. What is that you want? Mercy. When you fall, what do you want? Mercy. He says, but do you show mercy? Remember the parable of that man? Unjust man, servant? He says, when you owed me so much, you wanted mercy. But this fellow who owed you, you didn't show mercy. So were you just? Were you just? You want mercy every time you fall. But when the other one sins against you, no mercy, you want justice. God says, you know what? I will show you justice. I will show you justice. You need to understand why this is so important. The cause of justice, just, is so, so important. And this is the revelation God gives us through Micah. We saw that last week, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, oh man, what is good? What is good? What does the law require of you? What is that? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Towards others, be just. Towards others, show mercy. With God, walk humbly. Why? Everything we receive from God is a free gift. No man deserves anything. 
and every even the unrighteous is receiving free gifts from god his rain falls upon the just and the unjust and everything we receive from god is free and if we receive it free we need to be very very careful how we walk with god that's one thing god liked about david except for a few instances in his life he was a very humble man so whether god said yea or nay he took it well meaning i mean when god his heart's desire to build the temple that's the most important part when god says no to him he says who am i i don't deserve this now you're telling me through the prophet i'm going to build a house for you <laughs> lord i was thinking about building a house for you you're coming and telling you are building who am i i know where you picked me from no pick me up and we all need to know where god picked us from he picked us from the miry clay quicksand you know have you seen quicksand it's a very very dangerous very very dangerous you just go down 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 and you just disappear that's where we're in that quicksand called sin and if god hadn't lift, put his hand in and lifted us up when we cried lord have mercy he did not judge us he did not say anything he did not bring a record of our wrongs he didn't do anything he just put his hand and pulled us up okay therefore we walk humbly before god so god says we because of who god is how god has dealt with us when we wield justice husband to a wife parents to children let's stop there okay there are no judges in criminal civil courts here we have a, to be lawyer coming over here okay may become one day a judge we do not know. but let's stop over there god says when you dispense justice how should you be james 2 and verse 13 know this for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy because mercy triumphs over judgment till jesus comes back this has to be it why simple reason is we are recipients of mercy every day second none of us know none of us know none of us know the whole truth or anything except god none of us know none of us know none of us know let me ask you this question what is this you got voices what is this how do you know did you read it did you open it and check it is a presumption what if i took the whole thing out and put another book over there how would you know this is the bible do you know you don't know it's a presumption there's only one person who knows this is the bible that is god he knows this is the bible he knows it from genesis 11 to 22 21 everything is written one page is not missing one line is not missing one comma is not missing one word is not missing he is the only one who knows the entire truth none of us He's the only one who knows. So God says, when you judge, judge in mercy. Judge in mercy. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. Always. None of us know. Even the codes that sit, you know how many cases we have seen coming back years later and prisoners being released because new and new forensic tools have come and they have found this man was put in bars for 30 years, 25 years because the new evidence proves he was innocent. But when the judge sentenced him and all the evidences were produced in court and every appeal was thrown out it was proven beyond doubt that's a legal term guilty and sentence and then new evidence comes 15 20 years later and proven innocent beyond doubt 
Okay. Now that's what the word of God is talking about. There's only one man, one person who knows the entire truth. That is God alone. And he's good and he is righteous. And because he is righteous, Isaiah 11 said, 11, 4 said, what does it say? He will not go by what he hears or sees. This is evidence of man. He will not go by that. He will judge in righteousness. Okay, with righteousness, he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. He will not. He will not do that. When God pronounces somebody guilty, you can be absolutely sure he is guilty. The most, and you will also realize when God sends people to hell, they deserve to go to hell. Because the most merciful entity on earth in the universe is God. It's not man. It's God. That means they ran out of every chance God gave them. They ran out of God's long suffering and mercy and compassion and love and kindness and goodness. Please be, please be sure about this. So we don't have to worry about all the people who go to hell. What about this and what about it? Don't worry. It will be absolute justice. Absolute. God will be proven right. That is how God is. That's why God comes and tells. <laughs> it's a very strange thing which God tells. You know, he's coming down to our level. He says the cry of uh, Sodom has come to my ears. I have come to check it out. Why do you have to come to check it out? You know already the truth. I know. But you people won't believe. You won't believe. You'll think I am unjust. So you know what? This is a time of judgment which will be recorded for ages. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send two angels and I will show to you what they will do to my angels that these people deserve to die. God doesn't have to do that. God doesn't have to do that. But he does. He does. Okay. So understand this concept. So to others, act justly. Towards others, show mercy. With God, to you also show mercy. Please let me tell you. A lot of people never forgive themselves. I can never forgive. Because you have an elevated opinion about yourself. The self-righteous people can. Ahitophel could not. Judas could not forgive himself. A lot of people who end up in hell is not because God did not forgive them, but they did not forgive themselves. You need to forgive yourself. If God has forgiven you, go ahead and forgive yourself. Forgive others, forgive yourself. These are all part of deliverance, of walking and living in peace. Okay? So, please understand, in this last days, it is so important how we balance, because evil and violence and injustice is going to grow and grow and grow and rock the world. And Jesus said, literally, the days will be like the days of Noah, and the days of Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah. It will be like that. But in the amplified version, if you can give it to me, Genesis 6, 9. Yes, children, children. No talking, okay? Because you're very close to me. I can hear you, okay? Even a whisper, my microphone picks up, okay? But I love you. This is a history of the generations of Noah. Noah was a just and a righteous man, blameless in his evil generation. Did you see that? In this generation, Noah was righteous. He was a just man. What did he, in his dealing with others, he was just. He showed mercy. 
finish your justice. And that's the only thing that mattered to God. He says, you know, in the midst of this perverse generation, he found one man who was just. And he said, you know what? I will save you and start all over with you. You are just. See, we, we, we cannot be perfect, but we have to be blameless. We have to be blameless. Okay? Showing mercy, receiving mercy. Showing justice and giving people what? The benefit of doubt. Always benefit of doubt. Always give people the benefit of doubt. Okay? Always give. That is why, I mean, people will say, you know, when you say, quick to listen. Quick to listen. What does it mean, quick to listen? It is, and slow to speak. Meaning, this is not generally talking about general conversation. It's basically when there are issues. If you wait before you intervene, you will realize it was good to be quiet because you realize your doubt was misplaced. This was the reason the other person did it. You didn't do it. You misunderstood it. And you are so angry. You just be quiet. Just be quiet. A little later, the person says, you know what? You know, this happened and this. And you say, oh, thank God I kept my mouth shut. God, I kept my mouth shut. This is the reason. Okay. So you walk in life making less less goof-ups. It's not that Noah was a perfect man. No. He was a blameless man. He also made lots of goof-ups. But he obtained mercy. Obtained mercy. Yes. Showed mercy. Asked for mercy. So when Jesus comes, there will be justice. There will be righteousness and peace will follow. Amos said this way about the day of the Lord. A day of the Lord will be like a thousand years. Okay, the day of the Lord. We think of a day of the Lord is one day of judgment. No, it's a thousand years of Jesus Christ. Amos 5.24. What does it say? I gave you? Yeah. Let justice run down like waters and righteousness as a mighty and ever-flowing stream. Let it flow. Let it flow. Okay. That's how Jesus' reign will be. But if you want to reign with him then, we need to become just men now. Just men and women. Even just children. Okay. So Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 puts it this way. Therefore, where do we have to be renewed? In the spirit of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Titan Karo built. Okay, your mind, the spirit of your mind, we need to be renewed. What do we need to do? We have to put off, that is verse 22, put off, and verse 24, put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness, and holiness. Holiness is towards God, righteousness is towards man. In true righteousness. True righteousness. Okay, we have to put on. Okay, how is it possible? It is only possible if you put on truth, righteousness, and justice. So we'll just look at a couple of things, practical. Just let us be practical in our duty towards man. How do I become truly righteous in different aspects of life? James chapter 2, words 1. My brethren, do not... Hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. See that? What does God say? Don't be partial. That's a major issue. 
from children to homes to church children will say that is partial to her or him wife will say you listen to all the women you are kind to all the women but you are not kind to me constant Meaning you are partial. <laughs> you are partial. Yeah, it's partial. Okay. You are partial. Well, basically it's a question of you are partial. The child says you are partial. The wife says you are partial. Okay. And congregation says pastor is partial. Okay. Okay. Now what I will do is that what I used to do in the classroom, I will separate you. <laughs> okay. Shall I separate? Yes. I think... Um, uh, okay. Amen, come here. Amen, come here. Okay, join us there. Siblings have to be separated, okay? And um, you come here. You're the good girl, you come here. Okay? So we'll separate the siblings. Come here. Sit there, sit there. You don't have to stand though. Camera doesn't have to see your face, okay? Come here. Okay? Okay. Oh, I used to love this doing in the classroom. Okay? Okay. Okay. That's all. The parents just excuse them, okay? You don't have to give them the stick when you go home, okay? They are children, are children, okay? Okay, so. Okay. Now we are not showing partiality here, okay? <laughs> we are trying to be fair, okay? We are trying to be fair, okay? So, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality, okay? Office also the same thing. Manager is showing partiality. Everywhere this is the issue. Partiality. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. In Cornelius' house, when the Holy Spirit falls, Peter is shocked. <laughs> Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive God shows no partiality. Meaning, Gentiles are saved like the Jews. Holy Spirit fall, fell upon them. They are all prophesying and speaking in tongues. God shows no partiality. No? This, this is probably one of the Jews who walked. Thank Lord, I am not a woman. I am not a Gentile. I am not a dog. <laughs> this was his confession. That was their confession. <laughs> History says this was their confession. Thank God, I am not a woman, or Gentile, or a dog. And suddenly, his Gentiles are prophesying just like, Lord, you showed no partiality. So Paul will say, when a woman prays or prophesies, God is not a God of partiality. Man prophesies, woman prophesies. It's not partial. You see, these cultural norms are being broken to show that God is not what you think He is. God is not partial. He's not partial at all. Absolutely. So God says, because He is not partial, you should not be partial. Galatians 3.28 Paul goes even further. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Nor slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. He says when you come to church. I mean those days churches were a completely different picture. There are slave owners and slaves sitting over there. There is Philemon and what is his? Uh, Onesimus. They both. And Paul, the original landlord says, you both owe your life to me. I brought him to the Lord. I brought you to the Lord. So I am showing you, show him mercy. I am telling you, go back to him. So he says, it does not matter whether you are a Jew or a Greek. It does not matter where you came from. 
Don't show partiality. It doesn't matter whether you are a slave. That's why he stood up in the church in Galatia and he's confronted Peter and Barnabas saying, you're being partial. Now that the believers from James has come, you're pretending you are something else. You're separating, eating with them and not eating with the others. You know what? In the house of God, there is no partiality. In Christ, everybody is one. One. Okay. There may be order. And order is not being partial. Order is not being partial. Okay. Order has got to do with responsibility and burden. Everybody says, I want the double portion. Do you really want the double portion? You know what the double portion meant? It was given to the eldest son so that he would take care of the younger ones for the father is gone. Do you want a double portion of the, of the spirit? God says, you gave him. But he says, he says, because he bears so much burden for the weaker ones and you don't. You are asking for something without the heart for it. I'm not being partial. He says, I'm being very, very fair and impartial and just. So when God gives certain things to certain people, is simply because he is fair. He is fair. And he's always fair. He's always fair. And that's what we are seeing over there. God shows no partiality. No partiality. He saved everyone on the basis of mercy and grace alone. Mercy is the judgment, the condemnation we deserved. And grace is the blessing. We did not deserve. Everybody sitting is here is sitting here only because of mercy and grace. Whether you are a Jew or a Greek or a slave or a free man or a man or a woman. Nobody was saved because of anything God saw in us. So it's absolutely fair. Fair. The foot of the cross is level ground. So God is just. He shows no personality. I'm sorry, no partiality. He does not judge us according to his personal like and dislikes. Okay. So when he judges, he will judge us according to their knowledge and according to their fruit and according to their actions. Okay. According to the actions. Like in our homes, we always used to show more mercy to the little ones. Why? Because their knowledge was very little. But the elder ones will not show that kind of mercy to the younger ones. But we understand. This one doesn't know as much. You always have to explain to the older one. Why do you always show partiality? Honey, that's not partiality. That is mercy. Because he is small. He doesn't know as much as you. So when I don't deal, when he makes the same mistake and you, it's because you know more. So Paul says the seasons of ignorance, God has ignored. He winked. He winks. Okay. Ten times it took Israel to rebel before God said, okay, you will not enter into the land. Moses only one. Why? Because you are being judged according to knowledge. They are being judged according to ignorance. That does not mean it is good to remain ignorant. You will perish. Okay. My people perish. We will lose our rewards in heaven because he persisted in ignorance. So ignorance is a bad thing if you choose to go in it. But God does not judge as we judge, he judges according to knowledge. He knows all of us sitting here how much we know the truth. How much opportunities we had to know the truth. How much struggles. He knows it all. So when he judges us, it will be absolutely fair. And when he judges, everybody will be able to see the justice of 
of god and everybody will say you are true you they will say nobody will say on that day nobody will say you are unfair everybody will say you are fair because we will see everything nothing will be hidden everything will be revealed and we will appreciate and glorify god's justice because he is fair he is not partial at all is not partial at all and this is one of the lessons which god was teaching through that parable about the servants who were hired at different times of the hour and the people were hired who just one hour before sundown when they came they were all given the same and the people who were hired in the morning and they were complaining how can we worked for 6 hours they worked only one hour god says wait a minute when i hired you did we declare the wages he said yes am i fair Okay, Peter, you came at nine in the morning. What did I tell you? Five hundred rupees. Okay, Emmanuela, you came at twelve in the afternoon. What did I tell you? Five hundred rupees. Joanna, you came at four in the evening. What did I tell you? Five hundred rupees. So why are you complaining? What did I tell you? Five hundred. Why are you complaining? Didn't I tell you? Was I just? Why are you looking at that one? Am I just to you? Did I keep my word? Yeah, that's what. How did you get saved? mercy and grace how did you get saved mercy and how did you get saved mercy and grace how oh, came mercy and grace no i lived this many years of righteousness do you want me to judge you based on righteousness <laughs> <laughs> hmm? Hmm? no this was a crook who just deathbed confession and got in how ca- really do you want me to reveal your crookedness no lord okay keep quiet Mercy, grace, everybody. You understand the incredible justice of God? Everybody will put up their hands up and say, God is good all the time. Okay? Okay? So, God is partial, not partial, is absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. He is not a communist that he has a fake love for the poor and hatred for the rich. No. Okay? He is not a fake capitalist who loves the company of the rich and shows fake love for the poor. He's not. If you look at Jesus, it's interesting if you look at that portion which I gave you, Matthew 9:18 to 22. So, and when he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him. Ruler, power, authority, riches. My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came behind and touched the hem of his garment. We know from the record she's poor, she's sick, she's unclean. Could Jesus show any difference? Did he show any difference? No. Verse 22 says, When Jesus turned and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. One is a son, the other is a daughter. One is a rich man, the other is a poor man. One is a ruler, the other is a beggar. It doesn't make any difference to God. It doesn't make any difference to God. He treats them the same way. He will go to a Samaritan. He will go to a rich man's house. He will eat in Zacchaeus' house. He will eat in Simon the Pharisee's house. He will eat in Martha and Mary's house. A demon possessed through one's house. No issues. We have to look at it. And we need to realize why we need to guard our hearts. Because this is one of our issues. Our issues is how we deal with people. And James is coming over there in chapter 2 and he says, now we're talking about eldership. He says, you know, elders in the church, there are rich people in the church, there are poor people. Do you treat them differently? 
You treat them differently. When the rich man comes, you will say, come sit here. And when the poor man comes, you say, go sit there. Now, when public officials come, we need to understand the concept. We need to honor them. That's a different thing. Like you will see when the president goes to a church, they honor him. They bring him to different. That is because the position he holds. But that's not what God is talking about. He's talking about rich and the poor. And we need to ask ourselves, how do we treat people in our own personal lives? Are we just fair with rich and unfair with the poor? How do we treat Because if we are just with the just righteousness of God, God says, you will be fair how you treat everybody. That's why I said, everybody's got somebody under them. And one of the fundamental issues in India in the old days, one of the major issues which America went through, this both sides, there is right and wrong, is the issue of slavery. Like I said, slavery was there all around the world. But why is the slavery in America only the issue? It's because it is a Christian nation. Okay? Christian nation. So there is this uh, racial justice they are fighting for. But the issue over here, the people who are fighting for racial justice were never slaves. They were never slaves. Okay? Critical race theory is all based on a sense of justice. Okay? Based on we're never slaves. Okay. And yet you need to see, realize that there was wrong on both sides. There was both, I'm not talking about the slaves who were brought, but my simple question to, I mean, a simple question, I'm thinking hypothetically asking a simple question to the African American in US. You want to be free? You feel you're not free in America? Do you want to go back to any African nation? Any African nation. Do you want to go back? Pick one. You want to go back? You'll say no. You want to go back? No. Aren't you better off here? Have you thanked God for it? It's not that all the white men. Slavery was there for centuries. The whole Bible was full of slaves. Roman Empire was full of slaves. Slavery and God did not come to change the society. He had to change man from inside. If slavery was abolished, it was the church that God acted. It was a conviction of righteous men who fought for slavery to be abolished. They felt it was not fair. It is not fair that one man should own. And God allowed the kingdom to come through like that. He didn't suddenly turn the whole thing around. He didn't come with a revolution. He didn't want because that creates chaos. Revolution. This is the problem with communism. Communism wants to turn the society upside down and it has killed more people than any religion. Any religion. The actual count they have said is that communism is responsible for the death of over a billion people. It's a, communism is all built on a sense of injustice. Injustice. And it's a, it's a weird form of unfairness. You look at yours. Let me give you pictures. Look at yours. For the past one year, one and a half years, you see the riots in Portland, cities burning, people doing or burning, people died, or so personally, racial injustice, whatever. So many people died. And then there was January 6th. What happened at the Capitol Hill? Around 536 people were charged. Do you know these 536 people? It was not an armed insurrection, whatever they say. Nobody had a gun. Nobody had a knife. And all the five people who died, three people died of other causes, all were Trump supporters. Okay? Always Trump supporters. 
There was no arms. There was nothing over there. The police, if you look at the videos, allowed the people to get in. Many were like tourists walking around. Okay, they broke in. But you know that that 500 people who have been arrested are in jail still today in solitary confinement. While nobody who burned, killed, looted has been all been set free. And do you ask the question, is justice, is it that justice? Is it fair? Is it fair? Okay. That's why there is no justice on this side of heaven. Justice will come when Jesus comes. Justice will come when Jesus comes. Okay. So we need to look at this whole, because the whole movements around is based on this warped sense of justice. And in their cry for justice, there is no truth. They suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. If you want to pro- pers- prosecute, you have to prosecute everybody. Because federal buildings were attacked, so is the Capitol Hill. That's also the federal building, Portland, all the buildings that are hit were federal hills. So the crime is the same. Here nobody burned. <laughs> a few windows were broken. The whole total damage was around 1 or 10, 11 million or 1 million. I don't know the whole total damage. No harm was done. Nothing was done really over there. Okay. Yet they made that and the media put it across over there. And the, I'm not saying they should not be prosecuted, but then be even. Even men. Because justice has no eyes. It is, it is always fair. And you have a sense of unfairness in what is happening over there. A huge chunk of the, poly, of the population believes it's no justice. It's no justice. And that is what God is talking about. Whenever you are judging somebody else, you need to ask yourself first, was I just in the first place? What Jesus is saying, what does he say? Before you try to take the speck of somebody's eyes, why don't you take the blank out of your own? Blank. Now the way Jesus puts the cross is, it is uh, mind-boggling. He says, if I really, really were to show you, you're talking about injustice, injustice, injustice that is happening to you. I could really show to you that the injustice you have done to others is much, much more than what they have done to you. And that is the truth. That is the truth. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Okay. He says, be very, very careful. There are not two standards for the rich and the poor. The powerful and the weak. You know, the standard of God is and try to be. Okay? Show honor to everyone. And honor according to position. That's the difference. He's not talking about that. He's talking about partiality. And we can be very, very partial. It can be in a family. And that's how Isaac, the best family or not, fell apart. The father was partial to one. The mother was partial to another. And it blew the family apart. And Joseph, Jacob also set the cat among the pigeons. Because Joseph was the son of his old age, he gave him a special coat. There would have been no rift in the family if all twelve were given coats. All twelve were given coats. He put a cat among the pigeons. He started it. He started it. See, God giving a man a dreams, and a father who doesn't have that knowledge. Appreciating one child is a perfectly good thing. But that's not what the word of God says. The word of God says, because he was the son of his old age. 
Okay. And where did the brothers go wrong? The brothers should have gone when wrong because their sense of justice was not true. They should have looked at him and says, you know what? He's the only orphan among us. He's a young one. His mother died. You know what? Daddy shows an extra loved him. It's okay. We are good with it. At least we, we have mommy. Mommy is there. That's how. So you will see this sense of justice is what messes up because there is no truth in us. And that's what David understands. He says, I know you search for truth in the inward parts. And Jesus says, it is truth that will set us free because truth should bring justice and our justice will flow righteousness and out of righteousness, the state we live in is peace, peace with God and peace with man, peace with man. There's no other way. There is no other way. So be very, very careful how you treat people because there is no partiality with God. It's always fair. Second one we'll look and then we'll stop. I may take 10 minutes or maybe more, I don't know. Are you in a hurry to go? No. Okay. Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. Receive one who is weak in the faith. So sometimes you will say pastor is unfair. But you do not know like that the pastor knows who is weak in faith and who is strong in faith. You do not know as a father does his children. I have five children. And one child among the five is the weakest. I'm not telling you who it is. To that child, I show more mercy than all the other four put together. So there are weak believers in the church. And there are strong believers in the church. And sometimes, two may do the same mistake. And the pastor may not deal with them the same way. Okay. Why? Because he knows one is weak. The other is strong. So God also does not deal with us the same way. So he says, but not to disputes about doubtful things. Okay? There are a lot of things which are doubtful. Okay? For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let him not who eats despise him who does not eat. Let him not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. What is, he's bringing the basic common denominator over there. Okay, what is that? Eating. Basically, we all eat. Okay, we all eat. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. He says he has fallen. But he says, wait a second. You don't know who God. God says, do you know, have you checked the history of people? Do you know that many of the people who fell were the ones who ultimately stood and stood in terrible times when strong fell? He will say, if you ask him, he will say, do you know Aaron who made the golden calf? And do you know when the plague was going and people were dying, it was Aaron who stood in the middle of the plague and stopped the death. That weak man became a strong man. So don't judge Aaron before time. Just learn the lessons. Learn the lessons. What Moses could not do because he was not a priest, high priest, Aaron did. He stood between the dead and the living. And it was not an easy thing to run right into the bonfire. It was not an easy thing. But at that time he stood and Israel was saved. He says, be very careful about your judge. There are weak people, there are strong people. Verse 5. One person esteems one day about another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Okay? He who observes 
the day observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. He who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, gives God thanks. Okay? So there are many things which are doubtful. Okay? There are many things that are absolute. We cannot compromise on these things. Very, very clear distinction. Absolute things, doubtful things. But a lot of things are doubtful, peripheral, outliers. We have different words for it. Okay, And uh, Pastor Vijay has said it many times. I think I have also said it. But there is this old saying. I think it was found in a plaque outside a church in Massachusetts. In essentials, unity. Non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. Okay, that's Ephesians 4.15. The issue is not truth. The issue is that we do not speak the truth in love. The issue is not truth. In all things, charity. In essentials, unity. There are certain things which are absolutely essential, fundamental principles, bedrock on which the kingdom of God, the doctrine of Christ. Fundamental doctrines of Christ. Those are essential things. Then there are non-essential things. Show liberty. But in all things, charity. Okay? So in Romans 14, he is giving us an example of weak and strong. What is the issue? Issue is there, eating meat, and keeping holidays. And in verse 21, he brings wine also there. It's good neither to eat meat nor drink wine. So three things are put over there. Eating meat, drinking wine, and holidays. H-O-L-Y. Not H-O-L-I, H-O-L-Y. Non-essentials. You don't have to fight over it. Okay. So we say, well, let me say. People fight over non-essentials, whether to sing hymns or choruses. You know? <laughs> I read this account of his son who was part of the worship team, came back home early from practice. And the father asked, how come practice finished? And he says, no, we couldn't practice because the conductor and the worship leader are fighting over the song Divine Love. (laughs) Do you know how many church splits have taken over worship? So many things. I'm just putting practical. You can put it in your home context, whatever. I'm putting them in church. Hymns or choruses. Okay. To lift hands or not to lift hands. To clap or not to clap. To watch TV or not to watch TV. Okay. Liberty. You have the liberty. Verse 5. What is the rule? One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. You need to have, you need to have convictions. And when people are not convicted about non-essentials, leave them alone. It does not matter. It does not matter. No. We, we cannot be legalistic. Legalistic is when you apply a rule on people who are not convinced. You teach them and leave it. 
Leave it. And we don't condemn them at all. The problem is you teach them and they don't keep it, we get upset. What is it? Don't get upset. I don't get upset. We've been teaching you for 6,000 years. <laughs> I don't get upset. Okay, not as serious. God doesn't get upset. Now let us talk about our church, okay? We believe when a woman prays or prophesies, prophesies, worship is part of it. They should cover their head. Do we condemn anybody who does not? I'm not talking about when you are in the team in the church. No, you don't have to. Do we condemn any church who does not use that? No. Even this morning I listened to worship where women were not covering their head. That's their problem, not mine. We don't judge them. Not even looking at their covering, we're looking, listening to the song. And pretty good. Each man stands before God. That's all we say. That's all we say. These are not. Is it is it there in the Bible? Yes. Is it one of the essentials? No. It is not one of the essentials. Definitely not one of the essentials. Okay? So those of you who cover, those of you who cover, when you go to a church. That does not cover. Don't exercise your liberty. They're not going to call you to pray or sing anyway. You're a stranger there. Just put it down. That's how you exercise your liberty. So that you do not make another one stumble. Because imagine you are in a church, thousand people, all the women, their head is uncovered and you stand there. I'm going to be a testimony. You're not being a testimony. You're becoming a disruption there. You don't have to do that. You have to do that. I told you about this, remember? The Pentecostal Pastors Conference, where I was called to preach to the pastors, and I was going through inside to the front. There was a very senior pastor sitting over there, old man. He had come from Gujarat to Assam. I was preaching in Assam. He was the main senior, a very old man. He looked at me. He looked at my ring. He looked at me, looked at Mary, and he said, if I were the pastor here, I wouldn't allow you to preach. Because they didn't believe in wearing gold at all. I didn't say anything. Didn't say anything. Because I heard the spirit, they shut your mouth, don't say anything, he's a senior man. And after the meeting, everything was over, God said, next time they call you to a church like this, take your ring off. That is how you exercise your liberty. Because if you do not, you will cause people to fall. Take it off. Okay. One person may believe you should not wear any gold at all. Another person may believe you can wear gold. Both are there in the Bible. Both are there in the Bible. Timothy will, Paul will write in the letter to Timothy, women should not wear Yet God will put a ring on the prodigal son and Zerubbabel has a signet ring and Rebecca is adorned with all. All the whole Bible seems to be full of that. But so both sides will bring the arguments. Is it an essential? No. If it's an essential, it will be absolutely cut and dry. It's not. Don't fight over these things. Fight over these things. You may think about wine and you may not drink about wine. If you don't drink about wine, you don't drink. Don't drink. Don't drink. I drink and I don't drink. My wife does. Not now, but she used to. And I have no problem. I buy for her. every time I go abroad, I buy, I buy for her. And sometimes I can't even remember the name of the one thing she likes, so I have to Google it. <laughs> you know, what is that thing which you put into coffee? 
Irish, Irish belly. And I go to Irish, 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 Irish. I am sitting in Singapore airport. I am sitting in Paro airport. I am sitting every airport I go. I know the airport sale. This is this is the price will be better. And I am thinking my wife likes something Irish. I can't even remember its name. Irish, Irish. So I go to Google and says Irish drink, drink which is named after Irish among the Irish belly. Okay. The question is, do I drink? No. Do I condemn her? No. Absolutely no. Because I bought it for her. This is not. These are not essentials. Why? Paul says, if you read over there, Paul over says, you know what he says? The verse which I gave you, fourteen. You know, I know. I am convinced by the Lord Jesus that is nothing unclean of itself. And to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Okay, and the next verse I gave. Okay, therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. The next verse. If your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. He says, if you believe you are strong, then you can refrain. Who do you believe? And you will see Paul thinks he is strong and he makes it very clear he doesn't drink. But he doesn't condemn anybody who drinks. Now, we are not talking about alcohol and drunkards and all. Please don't misunderstand that. The Bible is very clear about it. <laughs> okay. We are not talking about any of those things. Very clear. Wine. Okay. okay. So the question is, are you convinced? Like I said, this is not compromising on essentials. We do not have the freedom to be a Christian. And have an abortion. But thou shalt not kill. A Christian and steal. But thou shalt not steal. A Christian and be a homosexual. Sodomites will not enter into heaven. So Christian and be covetous and greedy. Because they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there is the things which are essential. For God's Bible very clearly condemns what is sin. So liberty should not be mistaken as liberty to sin. But we are talking about gray areas. In gray areas, show grace. Give space to people to grow. And be just in those situations. If you look at verse 14. Yeah, Romans 14, 14. I know I am convinced by Jesus, Lord Jesus. There is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So he is a strong person. Okay. And verse 30, in principle, what does he say? Therefore let us not judge another anymore. Rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother. So this is the principle. In my liberty, I don't cause the weaker brother to fall. Verse 15, the law of charity. If your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Don't destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. And verse 21. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. So he makes it, which side is wrong? Which side is weak? Let me put it, put this very simple. Imagine we have Muslim converts in the church. Don't talk about pork. 
and eating pork when you or bringing pork into your house when you invite them imagine we have hindu converts in our in our church we don't have to feed them pig uh, sorry beef we don't have to and we don't condemn them at all perfectly if you want to be a vegetarian all your life perfectly fine when god accepted you accepted you as a vegetarian and when god accepted us he accepted us as non vegetarians we were not accepted because of what we ate we have to look at these things because these things matter these things matter you know why so therefore if you are ministering among muslims if paul were to be be a missionary in the muslim world he will never touch pork for their sake can he eat he says i can will i eat no i will not i will not eat i will not eat that's a rule is putting if you minister a pastor in the missionary in north india what do you decide i will never eat I'm not eating beef. I'm not going to a brother's stumble. That is why chicken is there. That's a piece of it. <laughs> Verse 19 is the attitude of the just man. 1419. Therefore let us pursue things which make for peace. and things by which one may edify strength another. This is the attitude. So God says, you know what? this is how you are just just okay god is saying that's what that is what paul meant am all things for all people yeah. meaning god says put yourself in the other place if you were the hindu and he was the christian how would you want him to be not offer me meat and when we are sitting together invite eat vegetables i'm fine i'll eat vegetables isn't that what you do expect so do unto others that's why i always say try to step into somebody else's shoes ask god the grace to get into somebody else's shoe and see life from their perspective and you know what you will be merciful merciful because even if you are strong you were made strong by grace which is a gift you didn't earn it you did not earn it but these are the wiles of the enemy wiles of the enemy First Corinthians eight nine, same principle. The Roman Church and the Corinthian, but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. weak. What is God saying? If you really, really think you are strong, you will use your liberty not to indulge, but to make. grace for people you will not be the cause you will not be the cause so paul says you know what i will not drink see if i don't drink i can sit with the ones who do not drink and the ones who drink if i'm not legalistic about it i can sit here it's not that i don't drink so with the drunkards i will drink no i'm okay i'm good i'm not condemning you i'm not condemn i'm not exalting you up or condemning you it's a gray areas let each man stand before god okay so this is the principle of justice when you are being just god is saying are you just have you been just because enemy knows he knows we were created in the image of god and there is this stirring within us for justice or there can be no justice without truth 
and what he obscures is what he obscures he obscures truth with his lies and offers false liberty which is slavery see that's why the bible says very very clearly law came through moses grace and truth came through jesus christ law came through moses and most of the people think the law is truth christians born again christians think the law is truth the law is not truth truth is much different from the law so you what happens is when you have a legalistic mindset and you think the law has truth all the devil has to do is come and keep on changing the laws so when he changes the law either you will go to the bondage of sin because law has been changed the law no longer calls it sin or he will you will go to the other extreme to the bondage of legalism that's how he does but jesus did not bring law he brought truth and the nature of truth is always sets you free there is freedom freedom what to be what god wants you to be and allow let others grow in the meantime and god says that's what we do with our children we are very honestly we are very very patient with our first child some parents because there is only one and then when the second one comes we want to push that to grow fast okay but emmy will take a long time before she becomes like abigail but in the meantime abigail is growing and god shows that with all his children all his children he may say why don't you be become like that but he is not pushing you in one night to become like that you know that is the issue that is the issue so god we have to show incredible grace so husbands have to show grace to their wives because they are weaker vessels says they are weaker what does it mean they are intellectually inferior no maybe most cases they are superior but they are emotionally weaker emotionally definitely women are all emotionally weaker they are not strong you may think they are strong even the strong woman if you put her in comparison with a strong man is weaker that's why god made it and you cannot change it so god says treat the when see when a woman loses her temper god says you don't have to no she lost that's why i lost god says no that's not the way i made it i said she can lose you can't she may cry you don't get mad okay that's why i always say you treat girl children and boys absolutely differently they are not the same it starts right from the boy will say you are not just god says i am just to you you have to say i'm just to you as a boy and i'm just to her as a girl okay these things are there in the home in our office in our church generally we need to ask ourselves because the devil knows he will set you up he will set you up because he knows deep inside there is a cry for justice and equity fairness so what does he do he takes truth out and he put a lie over there and we start fighting for the wrong justice gender equality no gender equity not equality man and woman are not the same you cannot compare two different things 
Fighting for homosexual rights. How the enemy, and that's become a cause. Transgender rights. Do you see how the enemy set us up? The world is fighting for all the wrong things. And they are not rights. They are bondage. That is slavery. So we are fighting for slavery when Christ came to set us free. But what is that? We have taken a lie and made it true. Feminism is a lie. Communism is a lie. Socialism is a lie. Capitalism is a lie. These are all lies. And we start fighting for it and we realize we go into slavery. What happens at the end of it? We start hating people. That's the problem. We start hating people. And hatred is not from God. It's not from God. It is from the devil. That's why you always, when you are fighting for something and you want to be just, look at the end of it. Does it produce peace for you? That is the key. Are you at rest? The key is this because as I close, the final thing, truth leads to justice, leads to righteousness, leads to peace. At the end of it is peace. And if you do not have peace, go back and check. I went wrong somewhere. Somewhere you went wrong. Somewhere you went wrong. Either you perverted truth or you bent legalistic. Somewhere you went wrong. Peace is the key. That's why the Bible says, let peace rule your hearts. Peace rule your hearts. Do you have peace? And it has to be a genuine peace. Why? The final words for today. Second Corinthians chapter 3, 17 to 18. The Lord is the spirit. This is the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace, and is the spirit of liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In verse 18, we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. What does it practically mean here? Are you moving from peace to peace? Look at the end result. That's the key. Are you moving from peace to peace? You have more peace today than you ever had in your life. What would have ruffled you and upset you and would have made you angry a year ago, two years ago, doesn't move you anymore. Because you have more peace now. That's what it means. Glory nobody can see, but peace is manifested. Peace is manifested. That's the key God is talking. In your marriage, in your marriage, in your relationship with your children, in your relationship with your neighbor in the church, are you able to manifest more peace? Though the other may not be changing, you are in control now. You have peace. You have. That's the key. That means the spirit of liberty is working because truth is working now. Truth has come. Justice has come. Righteousness has come. And the end product is working in your life. You have peace. Peace. You have peace. That's what the kingdom of God is. Kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. Amen. We shall pray. Father, this morning we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Yes, Father, it is not easy. 
but we are called to be just. That's what you spoke through all the prophets, even through Micah. To be just, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before thee and with thee. Teach us, Lord, daily teach us. Teach us. That we fight for things that are true. And we extend charity in all cases. For to speak truth without love will only bring death. Help us, Lord, help us to grow in grace and grow in truth. The knowledge of God and in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, as Peter's last word said, help us, help us, help us, Lord, help us. We're all on the journey. It's a journey of liberty. The liberty of sons and daughters of the living God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come in the rest of the day, the evening Q&A, the worship practice, everything into their hands. May your presence be there with all of us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.